Welcome to the Retaining Wit Podcast. I'm Josie Haynes. And I'm Jordana Kwok. This show tackles the challenges of keeping women in tech. Each episode, we discuss current events, experiences in the industry, and what it takes to create a workplace where women will thrive. Hey, Jordana. It's great chatting with you again today. Hey, Josie. How's it going? Good. It's exciting to be talking a bit about compensation. I recently read a pretty shocking statistic. In the tech industry, men were offered higher salaries than women for the same job title at the same company 59% of the time. And this actually came from a 2021 survey from Hired. So it's pretty recent. Oh, my goodness. That's a shocking statistic. Yeah. And guess what? On average, the women were offered salaries 2.5% less than the ones the men were given for the same roles. So I think today we should be talking about uh, equity and compensation. Yeah, I totally agree. It just happens that I am entering a compensation season in my current role at Netflix. Ooh, are there any uh, interesting challenges there that you're uh, looking into? Yeah, I think from a leadership perspective, a lot of it has to do with how we structure compensation and making it as objective as possible to eliminate bias. And this is the tricky part of it when there isn't a lot of good criteria in terms of how someone should be compensated for their skills. And each company does this very differently. So that introduces even more bias into the process because you can't just take one number out out there to really be able to evaluate whether someone is being overcompensated or undercompensated. So the the best thing that I think as leaders at a particular company that you can do is ensuring that compensation within your own company is structured in a way that is equitable. And that involves really taking a look at the data that you do have currently and seeing if there is already bias in the system and really making changes to eliminate that. Absolutely. And I think it's so crucial to have the HR departments look through you know, your pay, your promotions, and are they equitable from a gender perspective, from a race perspective, you know, from different underrepresented minority aspects and see where are your gaps and and then see about addressing them. Yeah, and definitely the data out there and the surveys being done really show that there's a lot more work to be done. So this is very much an intentional effort that needs to happen at the leadership level. Absolutely. And this is why Equal Pay Day for Women is March 15th in 2022. But that's just for white women, unfortunately. Once you start talking about gender and actually other aspects, it becomes much worse. And let's talk about moms here for a second, because this was a statistic that actually shocked me, which is moms are being paid 58 cents for every dollar paid to dads. So moms equal payday is September 8th. Yeah, imagine working uh, until September 8th to match equal pay to men. 
that statistic is mind-boggling. And I think a lot of this has to do with how we look at parental benefits mm -hmm. and just benefits in general, whether or not these are being provided equitably at your company. So giving men full parental leave actually helps with this in terms of making it accessible to both fathers and, and the mothers. Other benefits to really consider that account for a lot of uh, potential inequity at workplaces is transgender medical benefits. And so the list goes on and on for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's sad. We live in the United States, which is one of the wealthiest nations in the world. And yet we don't have guaranteed pay family leave. And I think that is one of the things we have to be changing to really get to a more equitable place. I mean, I was reading that Finland gives all parents seven months of paid leave. So we can we can do a little better than we're doing right now here in the U.S. Yeah. And another benefit under the inclusive side is, you know, potential fertility benefits for women. So they can decide when they actually want to have kids instead of having them when they do. And I mean, we can talk about the whole like Roe v. Wade thing there. And so I'm not going to go down that whole aspect of uh, other rights, too. But yes, having inclusive benefits is so crucial. And but the next part I want to talk about, which all of this talk is really encompassing, is hiring. Because that's honestly when your pay gap can start for, for so many folks. Yeah, and it definitely starts with how someone gets set in terms of their compensation. And it carries over with them to their future roles and and future career growth. So it is so important to have, uh, again, very objective and structured uh, strategy around how to compensate and to provide offers. And most companies in the tech industry use something called compensation bands. And these are bands based primarily on uh, levels. So each company has Based on experience, how much experience translates into a range of pay. And these bands tend to be very strict in terms of like, if you're at this particular level, you can't get paid above a certain band. And if you are newly promoted into the next level, that you would start at a specific band. So those bands do determine quite a bit. And some of the bands are, they're called terminal. Uh, some people might be in that band forever. And so that can lead to a lot of issues, especially if someone is not getting promoted to the next level because of bias or other factors. Right. And I mean, another sad statistic is that for every 100 men that are promoted to management, only 72 women are. So, you know, if we look at promotion statistics and tie it back to compensation, if women are not being promoted equitably, that's also going to have a negative impact here. And another thing that I think can be a real issue with compensation bands is as you go higher in level, these bands get much bigger. And so I think there can be a lot more potential bias as you even go up the career ladder as well. 
Yeah, the bands and the ranges that you see at more senior levels tend to vary way more. And it's much more subjective because some of those roles might require experiences or skills that seem to be really specific or niche that makes it harder to value. And so I suspect that's part of the issue why there's such a huge variance. And also because as you become more senior in a particular role, whether as an individual contributor or as a manager, there's a lot of affinity bias. Like, hey, I know this person. These are my connections. And this is why someone might appear as more valued higher than someone else who doesn't look like them or they wouldn't be friends with outside of work. Right. And this can definitely negatively impact women because we tend to network less and we're we're not actually talking about our salaries. And before I go down that uh, that topic, I, I did want to co-focus back on the salary ranges and talk about the fact that some states are actually creating laws around displaying pay ranges in their job descriptions or when somebody asks. And it's actually somewhat fascinating kind of how this has been playing out across the country. So California has a law, but a lot of people don't realize it, which is that the pay range isn't being put on the job descriptions. But if you're going in for an interview, you are allowed and the company is required to tell you the salary range for the position you are applying for. Wow. I I had no idea. I know that there is a proposed bill, though, in California to provide these pay ranges on the job postings themselves. And I believe New York City and Washington have something similar, either proposed or in the works. Yeah, so New York City's law passed. They're currently amending it. So it was supposed to go into effect in May, and I think now is going to go into effect in November. I believe Washington's law goes into effect early next year. I believe the one pay transparency law that is actually out there is in Colorado. But unfortunately, when looking into it, they've really been not enforcing it. And there have been only three fines since the law was implemented in 2021. Wow, yeah, it has to be enforced. I think having these laws in place really doesn't do much unless there are strong enforcement mechanisms to ensure that companies are held accountable. Yes, and as a company, if you're a hiring manager hearing this, Please don't use this as a way to try to get around posting your pay ranges. I've unfortunately seen this trend a little bit in the tech industry in the last year around how to creatively do job postings to get around some of these upcoming laws. And that's not a way we want to be, uh, that's not going to progress us in a positive direction. Yeah, speaking of new laws around pay and salary, Uh, There was a law that was passed, I think it was within the past few years in California, that made it against the law for employers to ask candidates during the interview process about their current salary, because that sets them up to potentially get a lower offer 
or maybe even set them up to start at that exact same position when they could really be making more. So there have been interesting ways that recruiters from companies have tried to get around that by asking candidates about their salary expectations. And this in particular is really problematic for women and other underrepresented people, mainly because there's a tendency for individuals in in these groups to not ask for more. And this perpetuates pay gaps over time. Absolutely. And if we're talking about that, we're also not negotiating, which is such an important uh, issue as well, right? Uh, We're not negotiating these salaries, and men are. Yeah. And part of it is if you don't know what your market value is, then it's really hard to have leverage in, in these conversations. So this is where a lot of the arguments for pay transparency arise. And depending on what company you're at, some companies might have full transparency, partial transparency, or no transparency whatsoever. And for folks who really don't have that transparency, there are many other organizations outside that may do surveys or crowdsource this data. So Levels FYI is one very popular source for folks in tech. For women, especially women in tech, I believe the Alpha community also does a survey around compensation. Absolutely. And, you know, I think as women in general, we need to be talking more with each other around how we're ma- what we're making. What is our compensation? You know, this is this is something I felt really awkward about talking about five years ago. And, you know, in my last role, I was happily sharing with folks outside how much I was making because I realized like if I didn't advocate for that, like other people were not getting compensated enough. Yeah. And women and underrepresented folks may be socialized to not bring up the topic of money and pay. And this really puts us at a disadvantage when it comes to, again, negotiation, but also really knowing what your real value is. And so this sharing should happen in particular with men and individuals in positions of power. Absolutely. And a statistic around this, which I thought, again, was a little depressing, is that women are actually asking for raises just as often as men, which I was surprised by. I actually thought uh, we would ask less, similar to how we tend to negotiate less. But we're actually asking at about the same rate, but women are getting promoted much less often are given raises less often than the men. And I think, again, this is where as leaders, we need to be slowing down our thinking and really at promotion time and compensation time and leveling time, slow down our thinking and realize we have biases and these are going to come into play. And we really need to think about how we're treating each and every person as an individual from like their competencies point of view, not how much we like them or they're similar to us. Yeah. And this is why women and underrepresented people in leadership can bring a lot of those perspectives and be able to identify a lot of those biases that come into play. And like I mentioned around, maybe there are some societal expectations and Who would know this best but the people who are impacted by it the most? And this is why it's important for them to be included in structuring these compensation policies. 
Absolutely. And I think another important part is really taking into account the whole offer. We focused a lot on pay, but but really compensation includes the base pay you're going to get, the equity you're going to get, that sign-on bonus, which I, I do believe since there's no pay bans, there's some potential going on for inequity there. And then also we talked about benefits earlier. What are the benefits that you're getting at that company? And I think it's so important that as somebody who's in the hiring process and going in, you're thinking about this holistically. Yeah, and I hear a lot of stories where individuals, especially who are in underrepresented groups, get low-balled in terms of offers and oftentimes down-leveled and then promised promotion shortly after they start. Generally, those don't materialize, and now they're stuck in this pay ban, and they might be at the top of the ban, which limits their ability for future raises. And the other thing that's a bit fuzzy in all of this calculation And I think everyone calculates this in terms of a total compensation package very differently is how much base cash salary one is offered, equity in terms of stock, sign-on bonus, annual bonus, and equity refreshers. The annual bonuses and equity refreshers are typically based on company or personal performance, which over time can introduce some inequity if there is bias in performance reviews. Absolutely. And on that whole promise of promotion thing, I I was just talking to a friend of mine that same thing was promised. Oh, join as a lead. We'll create that manager role for you. Six months later, the manager role went to somebody else. Right. And unfortunately, I've heard that story way too many times. And so do not join a company on promises of an immediate promotion. Like, definitely make sure that there is some guarantees or something if that's where you truly want. Because, yeah, a lot of times, unless it's on written on a piece of paper, things can change very easily. Absolutely. Get it in writing. Yes. Get it in writing that it's coming in six months. If, if there's a promise, get it in writing. <laughs> And after you're provided with this offer and you're making this calculation of, oh, how much is it actually worth? You want to not take that first offer and just accept it right off the bat. You really want to think about ideally having the time to get counter offers. But this is particularly difficult for women since we're at a disadvantage due to just non-work obligations and having just less ability overall to commit to the interview process. And especially in tech, these interview loops can be... I don't know, like full day, two full days, they're, they're a significant amount of time. And if you were to multiply it by, I don't know, you want to interview at five companies, that's a lot of time that you have to take off from your other responsibilities. So it really is tricky to negotiate without having counter offers, which does circle back to having that network and connections to others in the industry talking about pay so that you can share those data points so that you can be better informed going into the negotiation process. Absolutely. Because I see so many times men will show up with tons of counter offers, at least two, at least two other offers. And women don't. It's like, 
I've applied for the job. I want this job and I got it. Like, I'm happy. Like, that's what it should be. We shouldn't have to play these games of let's give a counter offer and all of these things. I was reading a LinkedIn post at some point recently where somebody said, if they offer somebody else with at that same title, a higher salary, they actually give everybody at the company at that title, that new salary level. And I was like, wow, like that is equitable. Like, how do we, how do we get more companies thinking in that means instead of, but I mean, we're so focused on like business and making money. It's like, people are companies biggest expenses, right? Yes. So it's, it's, realizing that focusing on this is good for the bottom line, though, in the long term. Yeah, to make it equitable, there needs to be more consistency and less implicit bias in the way candidates are evaluated, as well as current employees on their performance. Absolutely. And so I think this is definitely an area we have a long ways to go, not just in tech, but in most industries. And right now, I think it's something like 250 years for us to get to pay equity, but it just between men and women. That doesn't even account for all those other folks that are further along, like moms, people of color, Latinos. And so we, you know, we really need to be taking this into account. And it actually starts with more equity at home, I feel like, because, you know, kind of going back to what you're saying, women do have more non-work obligations. And a lot of times they tend to take on more of the household responsibilities, whether or not they're parents. And so if there was more just time there, women could be applying to more roles and getting those counter offers. And so it really starts with being equitable across like all aspects of our lives. Thanks for bringing that up, since that's fundamentally the root of the issue. It's going to require a concerted effort from everyone to make the changes needed to address the pay equity gaps that we're seeing. Absolutely. And so for any men who are listening to this podcast, if you have a significant other that you're in a relationship with and you share responsibilities, you know, it might be very fascinating for you to both take the time to write out what are all your household obligations and actually see where the time is going. I think the pandemic has actually provided a lot of this visibility, just anecdotally from what I've heard, where a lot of men who stayed at home didn't realize how much work was involved in childcare and just the household in general. And I think it was really eye-opening to them. And I, I really appreciate the companies that do put in the effort to provide leave of absences and parental leave to anyone so that they can, you know, manage these responsibilities in a way that doesn't force one individual to do more of that work than the other. Absolutely. And yeah, I think the pandemic definitely uh, opened a huge can of worms there in a good way for getting people to start really noticing uh, these things. And Ultimately, as as we're wrapping up here, this all comes down to 
How can we, for those of us who are leaders, how can we slow down our thinking and make sure we're, we're considering biases as we're looking into things like how do we hire and pay folks? And then for us as individuals, you know, getting out there and really taking the time to talk about pay and, and realize like, what can you ask for? And one of the things that, you know, it's not directly tied to compensation, but one of the things I tell folks is when you're in the hiring process and you've gotten an offer, that is the most valuable time to ask questions. Nobody's going to say no to you at that point in time if you have a question. And if they don't want to answer a question you've asked them, that's also very telling. And so this ties back to compensation. Take the time, ask about the benefits, ask about the leaves. You know, so many times we're just so focused on the like that salary number, but but there's so much else that goes into not just compensation, but are you going to actually be happy at this company long term? I think that's a great retaining wit tip of the week to end on. Absolutely. Well, Jordana, it's been another awesome podcast. Thanks for uh, joining me. Awesome. We'll catch you at the next one. All right. Bye. This podcast comes to you in collaboration with the diversity community. Did you know that less than 9% of engineering exec roles are held by women? Diversity is on a mission to change that. Diversity is a private network for women and non-binary engineering leaders with a goal of accelerating careers of our members and building their high-powered network. Learn more at diversity.com. That's D-I-V-H-E-R-S-I-T-Y. Thanks for listening to this latest episode of the Retaining Wit podcast. You can keep up with our episodes at retainingwit.com, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast shows. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a review so we can grow our audience. Thank you.